0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 Podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on Power 987.co.za. Power breakfast with T-T. 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 TTT. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. on Power 98.7. T-T-T. 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 T-T. 18 minutes uh, before 7 on the power breakfast okay let's turn our uh, um attention to this of course a lot of uh, well at least our focus continues to be on the what is going on in palestine in the palestinian territories um of course this is on the back of the last week's hearing at the international um, court of uh, 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 court of justice so the I think um, the discussion point is that, according to the United Nations, the Israelis Defense Force operation in Gaza continues to claim Palestinian lives with some 23,000 killed and more than 59,000 injured thus far. And, to, and continues also to make the Gaza Strip uninhabitable. That's according to the UN. And it was on the back of that that South Africa uh, went before the ICJ seeking the, the provisional uh, measures uh, to stop the carnage and the killing that is going on there. But what has been notable for me, certainly, and the others have pointed and commented on this as well, has been the role of the Arab countries uh, um in in this all this matter, in the you know the Arab countries that have particularly those that have normalised relations with Israel, uh, going back to the 2020 Abraham Accords, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Morocco. Uh, they seemingly insist on adhering to their normalization deals with the uh, with uh, Israel, supposedly because that is the only way to bring uh, peace to the Middle East region. To help us understand this, is a man who is an expert on this uh, uh, in Middle Eastern issues. Uh, executive, uh, uh, he is with the Mapungubwe Institute. Of course, that's the name. Jenna, good to be speaking to you once again. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Thank you. Let me just
0: uh, maybe put it this way, just uh, ask you maybe to help us how we should uh, understand um, the way that the Arab nations uh, uh, view the Palestinian uh, matter or the Palestinian issue. You know, in the past, the Arab League was unequivocal. There were no ties or diplomatic ties between Arab ne- Arab League nations um, with uh, Israel, perhaps with the exception of uh, Egypt, who no- normalized relations many years ago. But how are we to understand this? I guess top-down normalization, because I think it's also important to note that uh, just because there's been normalization, has not changed the way that ordinary citizens in these countries uh, view the Palestinian issue.
1: Yes, I mean I think that that last point is important. So there's a there's a difference between the nations in these very in in these various countries and their governments. Um, I think the exception is uh, the United Arab Emirates, uh, which, which population, of course, is very small. But mm. there, the entire population, in a sense, has gone along. But for the other states. The the peoples uh, of these countries remain very much pro-Palestinian, regard uh, the Palestinian issue very much as part of uh, their kind of uh, cultural responsibility, religious responsibility, and national responsibility. The governments, on the other hand, some of the countries you mentioned, but we could add to that uh, Saudi Arabia, which was uh, before Mm. the 7th of October, on the verge of normalizing Mm. relations uh these governments have uh, frankly long uh, abandoned the palestinian cause mm. uh, all of these governments of course are dictatorships whether they're monarchies or or republics they're still dictatorships um egypt is not a monarchy but uh, but still a dictatorship all of these uh, countries uh, the the rulers have for long um used the palestinian issue as long as it was useful for them to deflect attention from themselves um so they would uh, they would allow the populations to demonstrate get angry about uh, about israel etc mm. uh, because that helps to uh, keep the focus of the populations outside their own country um now they they've become much more brazen and uh, and decided that uh, the relations with Israel serves them much better. Um, by them I mean the elites in these countries. Um, so whether it's because, uh, in the case of the UAE, for example, it's one of the largest purchases of. Surveillance and spy equipment from Israel. Um, whether it's that kind of thing, um, or with some of the countries, it's that they believe that uh, uh, strengthening relations with uh, with Israel will have, will help them to get something out of the United States. Um, I mean, in Saudi Arabia's case, Saudi Arabia doesn't really uh, need uh, anything significant from Israel itself. But the normalization that they were about to embark on was because uh, they were making a deal with the United States about what they could get out of the U.S. So uh, increased uh, arms purchases, mm. uh, guarantee from the U.S. that uh, that they would assist Mohammed bin Salman, the cousin, uh, current crown prince, mm. assist him to become king when his father died. Because that's not a certainty, etc. Um, so it's either what they could get out of Israel or what they can get out of uh, out of the United States. So, like, like dictatorships all around the world, mm. um, the elites make decisions for their states uh, on the basis of what will serve them, not what will serve their people or uh, the cause of international solidarity, etc.
0: Do you see this changing at all? I mean, the fact one would have thought that they would have had a rethink on normalisation. I think only one of these nations has actually uh, recalled their ambassadors. Those that have recently—I'm just uh, struggling to recall which one of them it was that uh, recalled the ambassador—but for the most part, the rest uh, just seem to be, you know, playing a waiting game, hoping for the dust to settle and then uh, resume on this uh, normalisation route.
1: Yes, I, I think that in, in most of these countries, that's the the attitude, the latter one, that mm. they're waiting for the dust to settle and then continue. So, uh, I mean, certainly with Saudi Arabia, um, around the middle of October or towards the end of October, there was an American delegation that had visited, and they made a statement, although the Saudis didn't, um, and so I said in an interview that um, they are certain that the Saudi establishment is just waiting to use the words we've just used, <laughs> waiting for the dust to settle, mm. uh, and then the normalization will continue. So I think that they um, they believe that that is the case. Um, I think, however, that uh, the 7th of October and its consequences have uh, changed things in a very significant way, in, well, in all kinds of significant ways, but one of them is that in many of these countries, their populations have become... Um, much more, um, have, have become strengthened in yeah. their support for the Palestinian cause. Yeah. And so for countries that want to normalize going forward, yeah. it'll become a little more difficult for those that already have. Uh, for example, in Morocco, which again is one of those dictatorships, yes. um, there's a huge pro-Palestinian movement that has been on the streets for you know, the past three months.
0: What, uh, just as a final question, what is the calculation that they're making, I mean, uh, by the, the ruling elites in these countries? Is it more about uh, trying to exploit whatever economic opportunities could come out of uh, this normalization with Israel? Or is it a vote of no confidence uh, in those that are leading the Palestinian cause at
1: the moment? No, it's, it's the former. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the former, it's, it's what they can get and it's not only economic um, so as I said with Saudi Arabia the crown prince wants to become king uh, mm-hmm. in Morocco they also hope to leverage the Americans in a way that will allow them to uh, uh, to kind of uh, permanently establish the colonization of uh, Western Sahara uh, so they are different uh, it's not just economic, economic is part of it, the UAE don't, don't need money uh, but they would certainly like uh, to be able to spy much better on on people in their country and hence mm. the surveillance equipment, etc. Mm. So it's different uh, uh, objectives, but serving serving the elite. Mm. Fantastic.
0: As always, thank you so much for your perspective and insights. I appreciate your time, Nimjina. Thank you. He is, of course, a fellow at the Pungube Institute and a researcher there as well and an expert on Middle Eastern affairs. Just reflecting on, yeah, what we are to make of the posture of the Arab nations, as particularly the, shall we say, the Arab governments, because clearly they are out of touch with uh, their populations, as you have seen from the protests in the various countries against what is going on in um, in Palestinian territories. It's eight before seven.